The Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto your sight, O Lord, our Redeemer and our Helper. Amen. The narrative this morning takes me back to the courts of Pharaoh in Exodus, where the magicians are coming up with multiple tricks, trying to trap toe-to-toe, -to -toe, working with Moses to prove their supremacy uh, in creating uh, stronger snakes. If you have meditated or reflected on last week's message. We've been doing a series of questions here. It was the Pharisees and Herodians coming to Jesus and asking him the question of taxation. And just before we could get into today's narrative from 22, 34 to 46 verses, in between there's a piece where the Sadducees come to Jesus asking him about the question about resurrection. We all know the Sadducees, they don't believe in resurrection. And again, Jesus had silenced them with his answer. So it is now the turn of Pharisees again. It was Herodians, Sadducees, and now Pharisees again, coming to Jesus and making an, a lawyer ask him the question, which is the greatest commandment of all the laws? It is interesting, I look at this in three ways. Maybe all these groups are coming to trap Jesus, to trip up, to manipulate his uh, answers, to tell that he doesn't care about the past or he defies the tradition 
So somehow they wanted to catch him, um, get to him in a way to get him arrested or, you know, make people disdain or dislike him. And I see, secondly, with this question, the Pharisees wanted to have little edge, little supremacy over the Sadducees and other groups. And the third way I look at it, because in Mark's gospel, we see it is a scribe who is coming and asking the same question to Jesus. And the tone there is different because he wanted to know God's, Jesus' wisdom or his answers, how it will help them to understand the law of God better. But the tone in Matthew is entirely, totally different, the way they're coming to get him. So as I said, three ways you can look at, look at it, but I would stick with the third part. When I listen to God's word, I prepare myself in a way that I'll, I allow God to speak to me. So it may be a lawyer, it may be a scribe in Mark's gospel, it may be the Pharisees, whoever it is. At least some people there wanted to know what answer this man of God is going to give. And the answer here is, because it's quite a tricky question, because in Judaism, you have close to 320 laws. Which law would Jesus take up and say, this is important, this is the golden rule? But he has his own way of saying, and he comes up with these two golden rules where the whole law and prophets hang. Love your God with all your mind, with all your heart, and with all your strength. All your might is, it echoes again in Deuteronomy where it says the strength. But when it comes to Gospels, it is the mind, soul, and heart. And love your neighbor as yourself. And beautifully we have reflected in our confession prayer what it means to forgive a person. These two laws have encapsulated it has summarized the whole gospel, the mission of Jesus Christ in this world. If you get this tool lost to your heart, you know you're on the right path. This morning while I was driving up here, I was listening to FM. I think it's the theme that is running today in all the churches about love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And they were saying, that guy was saying that, Love is worship, it is work, and it is will. It is not loving somebody in your own family or in your comfort zone or somebody in your street, but go out there, reach out, and love. So when Jesus is giving this answer, we have to first look at Jesus because God loved us and he sent Jesus to us and through Jesus we have experienced this love and we know how to translate that love to the neighbor. Many churches, for many of us, suspiciously it's easy when it comes to talk about love. It, love is so easy on us. We know whom to love, we decide, we have choices. 
But the love of God is not that you decide and you choose. Because Jesus, when he came into this world, the way he loved people, he was into conflicts, he was into conversations, he was challenging the authorities, he sat with the untouchables. Everything he did that costed him even his life. Love is risky, love is dangerous. If you are looking, sitting at our comfort zones and, we, and if we try to reflect on love, that is not going to work. It is a serious commitment. Because when you love with a heart, mind and soul, your life is totally oriented towards God. Totally, you have nobody because sometimes we say by the flutter of the heart you do things. The, the mind thinks different but the heart says something. But here, there is no detachment. All have to work together towards God so you understand how precious and how valuable, how meaningful is love, God's love to us so that we transmit and translate in the lives of others. So it, it is a serious commitment. Secondly, the love is with a strong will you have to have. It's not you just get carried away with emotion. In India, we don't have this concept of dating, marriages or arranged marriages for us. So you send the photograph, I'm talking in 80s, 90s, and they see sometimes in, you may be living in overseas, then your marriage is fixed, Engagement is set, everything, and you just arrived just two days before to get married. The question many people would ask, especially who are not familiar with arranged marriages, what would you do when you arrive at the airport or at the girl's house? You think, oh no, I hope this is not the girl. Or maybe that girl looks at you and says, oh no, I hope this is not the boy, maybe he's that guy's brother. What are you going to do? Are you going to call off the wedding? Cancel the engagement? The answer to this is love is not about the emotion, but it as much as it is to do with the will. It is the will. To love someone, you should have a strong motivation, a strong will, and it is hard work. It is definitely a hard work. This year, like we finished our 20 years of a married life. So my, so my husband posted on the Facebook, 20 years of hard work. Two different people, two different cultures, two different food habits. Both of us even now don't agree with our taste. I, I, I like different stuff and he likes different. So I'm saying, but in spite of all these differences, we still try to work our marriage, our relationships. So when it comes to hard work, as I said, Jesus didn't just get carried away by emotion because his mission was only for the neglected or the marginalized people. So he just sat with them and finished his job. No, he was challenging. He was moving around. He was just living out aloud what is the mission of God into this world to love people. And the challenge is for us to love another people as Christ loved us. And it is risky, it is dangerous, and it is going extra mile.
to love another person. The will. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 to 8 verses, Paul talks to the church. When we first came here, we were trying to fix things, remove the blocks, remove the hindrances that you might understand the acts of redemption. And it took us a lot of work to make you understand that. We have put our hearts, we have put our souls, we put our minds working hard with you so that you understand the love of God. And now the last verse says that now I take extreme delight because now you have imitated us and you have become a model to us. How delightful and how joyful it is when we are together into this compassion, kindness, and this gentle acts of receiving or embracing or going out and loving people and showing the love of God to them. So when we reflect on these two commandments, love is a serious commitment. It doesn't fix with your comfort zones, your choices, but rather going out and risking out. And secondly, it is hard work. It does, like if somebody hates you, it's, it's not that you reciprocate in a manner that you even you hate them. You have to work, you have to work. How to help that person understand. He may be wrong, but still, you shouldn't stop working to help them understand the love of God. We know the Judah story. He knows Jesus, Jesus pretty well knows that he's going to betray him, yet, he didn't stop. And thirdly, love is a responsibility. It's a serious responsibility. How many of us today take the responsibility that we have been perpetrators in this world to perpetuate the system? Are we really seriously taking the responsibility that guilt because in one way or the other, we are responsible for this atrocities or uh, the harm, or the terrible things happening in this world. If you look into the chambers of your heart, there may be fear, there may be uh, prejudice, there may be biasness, there may be uh, things like um, where you hate, where some of the um, anti-social activities where it keeps dominating and running in your mind, in your heart. How are you going to defeat that, come out of that and take the responsibility, feel guilty, feel ashamed because we are created in the image of God and you should be able to see the image of the God in other person and they in us. It's not only we see, but they in us. There is this true story about dead man walking. So it's a true story where this nun Helen Prajara visits this um, guy, Robert and Joe, who committed rape and murder, and they're sitting on this death row in Louisiana. So this lady, this nun, goes as a spiritual advisor to visit them, to counsel them, and in course of time, she develops a bonding. But this guy, Robert, never confesses to the crime. He always says, I did not commit it. I, I did not do it. So it comes to a point where she begins to get confused whether he did or whether he didn't do. 
But at one point of time, the day when he was being executed, he confesses. He says that I committed that murder. I committed that murder. And she says, still, you're child of God. And he says, no, I did a terrible thing, a bad thing. How can I be a child of God? She says, when you take the responsibility of that crime or whatever you did, God is going to redeem you. God is going to free you, give you that pardon and forgiveness, and you're already in the realm of enjoying that forgiveness and grace of God. And just before that lethal injection was uh, administered, she tells him, I want you, the last face I want you to see in this world is love. Love should be the last face you should see in this world. When they do this thing to you, look at me and I am the face of love for you. I am the face of love for you. Today our question should be, are we the face of love to others? We should make it a choice, a habit, because we shouldn't be dominated by the love of power, but by the power of love in our lives. Sadly, the church has taken the path of making it as simple, as charitable, or something you can just get away instead of choosing the path of excellence. I wouldn't say perfection, but excellence. We have to work and move forward that we truly understand and orient ourselves towards love of God. May God bless these words, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.